You're listening to the Bokeep Podcast. News, views, and attitudes about Sanford, Florida. Welcome. I'm Dan the Man, and I really appreciate you all joining me on this first official attempt at a Bokey podcast. I've dabbled in the podcast space just a little bit, uh, did something around the election time, uh, also did something on the culture of craft, but this is really kind of my first attempt at, uh, at a true podcast format, so I appreciate you all joining me. I'm not going to get too ambitious with this first podcast. I'm going to limit it to uh, just two issues to start off with. First, I'm going to have a conversation with Daniel Lewis about a proposal that the city is bringing forth to charge new business owners coming into downtown, basically what amounts to a parking impact fee. Uh, We'll have more details on that. And then I want to talk about uh, some new businesses coming into town and the history of cigar making in the city of Sanford. So once again, I want to say thank you all for joining me. The Bokey Podcast is recorded in the Ride Lime Studios. If you need to get around downtown, don't walk, ride Lime. Call 407-500-LIME. That's 407-500-LIME. At the Monday, June 10th City Commission meeting, the City Commissioners and City staff started having a discussion about imposing a, um, for lack of a better term, a uh, parking impact fee for new businesses coming in downtown. And I'm not sure that an impact fee is actually the correct term. Um, Anytime uh, a new business opens, they have to provide parking, whether it's in downtown or out by the mall or on Reinhardt Road or wherever that might be. That's just part of good and proper planning principles. The challenge that you run into in downtowns, be it Sanford, Apopka, downtown Orlando, wherever, is that you have a really dense space. You've got a lot of buildings and not necessarily a lot of open space like you would say out at the mall or out at the Target on Reinhardt Road. So you have to come up with creative solutions to parking. As downtown Sanford has been revitalized over the last 20 years, the city hasn't required new businesses coming in to make accommodations for parking because there's been enough on-street parking, enough parking in city-owned lots, so there hasn't been that requirement. However, that's changing as more and more businesses come in and as new development is uh, on the drawing table, whether it be uh, Heritage Park or Mark Nation's property over on uh, 2nd and Myrtle, parking is going to start to become at a premium and the city needs to start making plans for that. One of the things that everybody suggests is, oh, build a new parking garage. Well, that's great. You got $2 million to build a parking garage. Where's that money going to come from? Um, conventional wisdom says it costs about 15000 to $20,000 per parking spot to build a parking garage. And one of the things that uh, Deputy City Manager Tom George suggested at Monday's meeting was that one way to offset some of that so it's not 
all of it is coming from the city, is that you require new businesses to come as they come into downtown, rather than just waiving their parking requirements, you say, okay, clearly you can't build a lot or you can't build a parking garage for, say, six spaces, if that's what your businesses require. So what we're going to have you do instead is pay a fee. Um, and he proposed a sixty or $6,000 for that fee. That money would go into a fund that can later be used to build a parking garage, build a, a surface parking lot somewhere at another location in downtown. And let me give just a word of warning because I know how some of y'all love your social media feeds. Um, somebody's going to hear this and they're going to put on Facebook, oh, the city's going to start charging people $6,000 to park downtown. No, 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 that's not it. The city's not talking about charging for parking. Um, this, in fact, would be something that the business owners uh, would have would be a burden on them. And it, it hasn't been approved. It hasn't been passed. It's not even a fully shaped policy at this point. It's just a discussion about how the city is going to address parking needs in the future. At this stage of the discussion, I like the idea. There's still a lot of details to hash out, and I'd like to get some input from the business community on their thoughts of, uh, of this proposal. I did reach out to Daniel Lewis. Most of you all know Daniel. He's very active on social media. He's a local attorney downtown, and he also attends a lot of the city meetings and, and has a pretty good feel for uh, some of these issues. So, Daniel, what were your thoughts about uh, the proposal that uh, Deputy City Manager Tom George made tonight about um, maybe putting some sort of um, a parking fee in for downtown businesses or new businesses that come into downtown that don't have enough parking? What are your thoughts on that? Well, as Mr. George proposed it, I was in favor of it, particularly with the example he gave of the dry cleaner on Palmetto that was formerly part of an EPA cleanup. Well, they have someone came forward to purchase it, to put it back on the tax roll. It's a great thing for the city. Uh, and by ordinance, they're required to have six parking spaces. It's really not feasible to try to find six parking spaces in front of that location on Palmetto. So an option some other cities have been doing are having those developers pay a portion, as you said, that would go into a fund to help offset uh, city parking needs, perhaps they could buy an offsite lot or garage. And I think that's fantastic. In this case, the estimates come in that a parking spot is about 20000 Tom threw out the number of 30%, which would be $6,000 per space. So if you were required to build six, you'd of course have to put $36,000 in the fund and the city could use it. As it goes that far, I'm in favor. The, the key points I think were, were both brought up they're very difficult to figure out that percentage. Some cities have gone 30%. Some cities have gone 100%. You don't want to make it so onerous on the developer as to discourage economic development, but you need to have it enough where it actually has some teeth or you'll have developers who will just choose to have a larger building by virtue of being able just to buy away the parking and never have to allocate spots. So it's, it's a tough and fine line. And um, what had me a little concerned was how the, this is going to be drafted on a case-by-case -case basis. Tom made it pretty clear this is really only going to be for such properties as we're not able to build. And the jailhouse, uh, the Palmetto area, I mean, with the old dry cleaner, that's perfect. 
other places where they have land and they can build, this doesn't seem to apply. I, I imagine as they get down further with the ordinance that have to be more tightly drafted in order to not allow developers just to basically buy off their parking needs and, and have a larger lot size for, for their structures. I don't think that would be in the, the best interest of the city. And I'm glad they are already leaning that way. Certainly when uh, you talk about uh, businesses coming into existing buildings, I think, you know, that's a great idea to have some sort of uh, a parking impact fee for lack of a better term. Um, and yeah, you're right. The fine line is going to be, how do you deal with new developments, whether it's heritage park or anything that Mark nation wants to do uh, or, or anybody else that comes in and wants to build uh, a new structure. If they only consider those projects that can't do it otherwise, I think it's great. And the fine line to juggle or the, the line to actually to toe is going to be the percentage. And, and that's something that I, I do believe that they can look to other cities for. This is not something that's, that's novel. I think it's a good idea for our city. I just hate the optics of it if it's not put out there correctly. And I know how things can be that the city is incentivizing, you know, not buying the parking. Um, and, and I don't want it to be construed that way. I don't really think that was the intent of what Tom put out there or what the, the, the commission's questions were. It's not trying to incentivize uh, money being put in and parking to fall to pieces. Um, I, I do think that this needs to be a very strict case-by-case -case basis, but otherwise I think this is a fine project, especially for the location on Palmetto that was the origin of this. Beyond that, I even worry about the optics of people complain about parking so much in Sanford. It's one of our real hot button issues. Whenever it comes up, it's certain to start an immediate internet debate. Um, and, and when someone hears that the city is basically allowing a business to not provide parking they're supposed to by ordinance, it's not going to be the optics they want. I think it needs to be carefully saying that when it's unable to, they don't want to discourage business, especially in locations where it's not feasible. And in lieu of amending an ordinance that works perfectly fine, they're going to allow these particular cases to buy the money. If they use that for funding a floor, a level, or an off-site feature, then it's really, there's no reason not to do it from the city's behalf. Agreed. And I think, uh, and I think some people are going to have some questions and say, well, why has the city not been uh, making uh, these businesses that come into town provide the parking? And I think until this point, you know, say 20 years ago when I moved to town, we were begging for people to come downtown. The issue yeah. wasn't parking. Um, in fact, Theo Hollerback tells a great story about him and his employees were playing soccer in the middle of First Street on a Saturday night. Now, that's not happening anymore, but back mm -hmm. in the day. So I think that's why uh, – uh, a good reason to say, hey, this is why the city hasn't been enforcing this to this point. Now we're starting to get, you know, um, uh, a, a good group of businesses downtown. We're starting to become, you know, the place to go. So these are some issues that the city's going to have to start addressing coming forward. And I think Tom George did a good, uh, good job at, at least presenting this proposal. And there's nothing uh, imminent yet. This is just in the talking stage, I imagine um, there's going to be some more research done and we'll probably see uh, a finalized draft uh, here in the next uh, month, six weeks or so. I would concur. And, and I do want to give credit to the city for being proactive in different levels. It's easy to, to poke holes in the parking situation and whether or not we in fact have one is still something I would debate, but such as it is, 
having secured leases um, on Palmetto, having secured leases on Sanford Ave at the old Sanford supermarket, they have proactively leased lots and done what they've cut without having to really resort to much in the way of really seriously entertaining any talks of garage or offsite facilities. At this point, holding developers accountable you know, needs to be something that's done in all regards and the number of spaces, the size of the spaces, the ability to put spaces in, and if they can't and feasibly not able to, to pay money towards the collective parking issue, what a great problem to have. Uh, <laughs> how, how far we've come. Absolutely. I just think it's a sign that the city, the, the downtown in terms of a business atmosphere is starting to mature quite a bit. So, well, Daniel, I appreciate your time, man. I look forward to talking with you about other city issues in the future. Thanks, Dan. Always a pleasure. The Bokeh Podcast is recorded in the Ride Lime Studios. If you need to get around downtown, don't walk, ride Lime. Call 407-500-LIME. That's 407-500-LIME. If good things come in threes, then cigar lovers are really going to love this next story. Downtown Sanford is soon to be home to not one, not two, but three cigar bars. One will be located at 4th Street and Sanford Avenue, and the space formerly occupied by Little Fish Huge Pond. The second is already open in the old Celery City Craft Space on Palmetto Avenue between 1st and 2nd Street, and a third is rumored to be opening in the Gateway on Lake Monroe. I'm here with Paul Williams, local businessman and entrepreneur, talking to him about his new venture, Celery City Cigars. So, Paul, what's, uh, what's this all about? Well, <clears throat> we've, uh, we've been looking at uh, doing this cigar bar for a few years now, um, and we're real excited about it. It's, um, I, f- I feel like there's a, a real demand here in Sanford right now for it, and um, we're happy to fill that void. Awesome. Now, who is, uh, I know you've got a person on staff in uh, Jimmy who's been a big fan of cigars. Is, is, does he have a role in this at all? He does. He's our, um, he's going to be our manager at the Celery City Cigar Bar. Um, he has, uh, he's got uh, quite an extensive uh, history with uh, working in, cigar, in the cigar um, field. Uh, he's been at Corona for 12 years now, I think. And uh, so he's coming over to work for us. Um, he actually worked for us also over at West End uh, for the last uh, seven or eight years now. So we're glad we're glad to do some different stuff with him. So awesome! And I understand that uh, his uh, uh, you've got Clint Johnson, whose visa to come into Sanford is cleared, and uh, the former uh, mayor of DeBerry is going to be uh, helping you out uh, with this as well. He is. He's uh, he's been a tremendous help for us. Um, getting us uh set up online and and um in 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 our in our ordering uh he's uh he's got a he's got a nice background and he runs his uh his company's cigar batch and we'll be able to do do a lot of ordering through him and with him but he's been a he's been a great help he helped us helped us with our humidor um yeah so he's he's been he's been awesome so the place is up and running now right it opened uh on friday correct it did so i would say if if I had to throw a percentage on there, we're like it's a like a ninety percent done. We still got some stuff we want to do to it. That's why we didn't make a big deal out of you know a grand opening or even a soft opening. Uh, we still got some decorating to do and 
um, some fine tuning on stuff. So we wanted to kind of just open, and then if people started strolling in, we could, you know, work out work our, work our kinks out that way. So you've got uh, obviously the cigars, you've got uh, craft beer, you've got cocktails. Anything else uh, that you want to mention about the place? We're um, our our rum and whiskey selection is going to be quite extensive. It already is pretty good, but we'll be adding to that. Um, quite a bit so uh keep your eyes peeled there but we'll have a lot of whiskeys and a lot of rums there for you guys to uh sample up cigars in sanford are not a new fad during the 1920s as many as four companies were manufacturing cigars in town making the case that the celery city could have been called cigar city alicia clark curator of the sanford museum tells us more alicia i i was surprised, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that there was actually some pretty serious cigar manufacturing going on here in Sanford in the 1910s, 1920s. Um, what can you tell us about that? Okay, well, we were surprised to find a man named J.J. Mauser in the 1910 Progress Edition of the Sanford Herald, and it had a picture of him with his cigar box. And we, when we started looking him up, we found that there were other people who were investing in cigar factories, and we thought it was a factory. It turned out a, a, it wasn't a factory as I was visualizing it. It was just all you had to have was a room above a shop with a table and a skilled cigar maker and someone who could strip the tobacco for you. And so it could be a very small operation. So we found that a number of our prominent business people were actually investing in this. But Mr. Mauser's the one we kept bumping into because he had a cigar called Lucky Sanford. And there's a photograph in that same progress edition of a bar with a sign that says Lucky Sanford on it. And then Glenn McCall, who owned Touchstone's Drugstore, years ago came in. He was so excited because he had a box with some prescription uh, pads in it from the doctors. And when we opened the box, it was a Lucky Sanford cigar box. And then that led us to asking local collectors, and we found that Mr. Mauser made Seminole Twins, Banker's Choice, and Lucky Sanford. And that led us to realizing that the more we could find industrial listings or the city directories or early phone books, we could find these other cigar makers. And what we found is several of them were German. We had at least one group here that have Spanish names, but we don't know if they came from Cuba. And we know that the cigar makers themselves were from all kinds of backgrounds. All types of people made cigars here. We believe the business was coming out of Tampa. It apparently spread all over Florida. We're not clear on the whole history of that, but, but there was very definitely a going concern of cigar businesses from about the 1880s up into the early 20th century. Very interesting. So is it possible Sanford could have been called the Cigar City as opposed to the Celery City? I don't know if we had that many cigar makers here, but I, and I think Tampa would probably argue with us on that one. But um, yeah, <laughs> No doubt about that. Well, Alicia, I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Back at Celery City Cigars, Paul Williams says he plans to pay homage to those old Sanford cigar brands. We actually did a, a mural as a throwback over there. The Lucky Sanford um, uh, mural was one of the, it's one of the um, manufacturers that, that, that was here. So we actually found a, a pretty cool piece down at the museum and, and did a mural as a throwback for that. Everything seems to come full circle, That's you know? Right. That's right. So we're, we're glad to grab a little piece of that history and try to throw, you know, throw something new, new flavor in town. So it's exciting. Awesome. Well, Paul, I appreciate your time, man. Best of luck with uh, Celery City Cigars. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. I want to thank Paul and Alicia for taking the time to meet with me and talk about cigars in Sanford. 
On a side note, I came across an article from a June 6, 1919 article in the Sanford Herald that announced the Florida Cuba Cigar Company was opening in the Bishop Block. That's almost directly across from Paul's Celery City Cigars. So interesting to note that 100 years and one day after that announcement was published in the Sanford Herald, Paul actually opens his cigar business. I have no idea what that means. I just found it very interesting. That's going to do it for this edition of the Bowkeep Podcast. Thank you all very much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. If you have ideas, suggestions, stories that you want to see me pursue, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me by email at dan at thebowkey.com. I will also leave a link in the show notes so that you can leave me an actual voice message. If I find it interesting enough, I'll include it in next week's podcast. Be bold, be bokey. Thanks for tuning in.